Hello and welcome to the Chair's Corner from the Department of Medicine at the University of North Carolina. Welcome to our series where we are exploring topics related to autoimmune diseases to help patients and their loved ones understand and manage their conditions. Today, we're going to focus on autoimmune hepatitis. We welcome Dr. Jamma Darling, who is an assistant professor of medicine in our division of gastroenterology and hepatology. And Dr. Darling specializes in the treatment of hepatitis and other chronic liver diseases. Welcome, Jamma. Thank you. So what on earth is autoimmune hepatitis? What do those words really mean? Autoimmune hepatitis is a chronic liver disease. It can affect any age patient, any ethnicity. It can affect either sex. Usually has a, a female to male predominance of about three to one. Hepatitis just means inflammation of the liver. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Remind me again, what, what does the liver do? So the liver does a lot of important things. For one, it uh, metabolizes nutrients from the gut. It makes bile, which helps you digest fats. It makes a lot of important proteins, specifically all of your clotting factors, except for one, and proteins that help fluids stay in the right spaces. And it also detoxifies certain drugs or medications. So when you inflame a liver, just like when you inflame any other organ, the suffix is itis, so liver is really the hepatic system, so it's hepatitis, which is inflammation of the liver from any number of causes. Absolutely. So it specifically is referring to the liver's made up of, of liver cells or hepatocytes, and it's made up of small and large bile ducts. And for the most part, hepatitis implies that this is inflammation of the liver cells themselves or the hepatocytes, usually manifested as uh, elevated liver enzymes, so AST, ALT, these are our... Uh, blood tests. Correct. These are blood tests, and it is reflective of, uh, of turnover of liver cells. The liver can be affected by a number of factors. So one can get hepatitis from uh, alcohol. One can get hepatitis from a number of drugs that one could be taking. One can get hepatitis from certain viruses. What's the most common of, of those entities? So viral hepatitis is an easy one to check for, and that's routinely done with a blood test. So normally we've eliminated uh, viral causes of liver inflammation. Hepatitis C and hepatitis B. Correct. And the one on the uh, ads on the news all the time are for treatment for hepatitis C. Correct. There, that one has certainly gotten a lot of press lately. You know, alcohol, that's a different form of hepatitis, and, you know, usually a good history will, will tell us if, if that's uh, a factor. Um, we also look for, you know, genetic or metabolic causes of liver disease or, as you mentioned, drug. It turns out autoimmune hepatitis is actually more of a diagnosis of exclusion. Um, there are diagnostic criteria for autoimmune hepatitis. We usually look for autoantibodies, of which anti-nuclear antibody, anti-smooth muscle antibody, several others. We look for immunoglobulin levels. 
we look for absence of a virus in the liver. And last, but certainly not least, we look at histology of the liver, histology of the liver consistent with the diagnosis. And actually, the hallmark of autoimmune hepatitis is the uh, diagnostic histology. So a biopsy is actually an essential part of the diagnosis because about 20% of patients will actually not have circulating autoantibodies and they'll actually have normal immunoglobulins. So the liver biopsy is a very important part of the diagnosis. And you do a liver biopsy under ultrasound guidance and they're pretty safe procedures at this point in time. Absolutely. This is one of the uh, forms of chronic liver disease where the biopsy is very important. Uh, biopsies are, a liver biopsy is a very safe procedure. It's usually a, a percutaneous or through the skin biopsy. It uh, involves usually ultrasound guidance and it can either be done with sedation or without sedation, but it's always done with a, a, a local skin anesthesia. There can be a stigma for patients who have liver disease that uh, it's really associated with something that they've done to themselves, had drunk too much alcohol or taken a drug that's hurt them. But really, an autoimmune hepatitis in which your body's reacting to the liver, the patient has no uh, reason to think for a moment that they've cause this, and it's something that it's hard to figure out. Certainly when we have diagnosed a patient with autoimmune hepatitis, uh, one of the most common questions I get is, I've never done drugs or had a blood transfusion. I don't drink alcohol. Why on earth do I have hepatitis? And I explained to the patient that they don't have a virus. They don't have a blood-blood transmission virus like hepatitis B or C. This is not due to a behavior such as excess alcohol intake, but this is the way they're built, basically, that their immune system is recognizing something in the liver as unwanted and trying to get rid of it, and that this is of no fault of their own. If we could figure out what caused any autoimmune disease, it would be uh, a pathway to figuring out a cure. Patients with autoimmune hepatitis, you've described as being asymptomatic. They don't know that it's happening, but sometimes there are associated symptoms, right? Uh, everybody with autoimmune disease is fatigued or tired. What else uh, would a patient with autoimmune hepatitis what other kinds of symptoms might they appear with? So there's a huge spectrum of presentation of autoimmune uh, hepatitis from extremely asymptomatic with minor liver enzyme elevations to uh, a much more dramatic presentation in which the patient's liver is really not functioning well. These patients usually present with jaundice, meaning they have yellowing of the eyes and darkening of the urine. They can present uh, confused. The, the liver processes a lot of toxins, and the toxins can build up if the liver's not working. Um, they can also present uh, quite ill in, in full liver failure. 
So there's a, a huge spectrum. The majority of the patients that we see have mild liver enzyme elevations, but they also can have a little bit of, of nausea. They can have a little bit of uh, discomfort in their right upper abdomen. They can have a lot of fatigue, which they didn't realize was associated with autoimmune hepatitis. Uh, they may have periodically noticed darkening of the urine or mild yellowing of the eyes that sort of waxes and wanes. This is also very characteristic of autoimmune liver disease. A lot of patients take a number of years to be diagnosed because it does spontaneously remit in some patients. Hence, up to a third of patients at the time of diagnosis will actually have cirrhosis of the liver or bad scarring in the liver as if this process has been going on for quite some time. Like many autoimmune diseases, there is a relapsing and remitting course, a waxing and waning course. Uh, since most autoimmune diseases come and go and come and go, and you've just described beautifully, it, patients can have mild disease throughout that period of time or almost on presentation have a fulminant, very aggressive liver disease, arguing that uh, prompt a referral to somebody who treats liver disease is pretty important to figure out where on that spectrum uh, you are. Absolutely. We have patients, uh, certainly if you present to a hospital and you have liver dysfunction and actually have a fulminant liver failure, um, these patients do need to be referred promptly to a liver center. Also, if it's not clearly uh, obvious, the etiology of the underlying cause for liver enzyme elevation and liver dysfunction, these are also patients we would like to see sooner rather than later, as autoimmune hepatitis is, is not a particularly common disorder and oftentimes can be missed by the general gastroenterologist. Or primary care. Or primary care, for sure. So the reason why you want to see somebody earlier in their course is uh, really due to you want to make a correct diagnosis. And if they have an autoimmune disease, you'd like to treat them. So what kind of treatments are available now? So we definitely like to see these patients where we can intervene sooner rather than later because it is a reversible process oftentimes even if the patient has more advanced fibrosis or, or early cirrhosis scarring in other words that their liver is scarred and the disease process no longer is inflammation it's really when you use the word cirrhosis or scarring it's the liver has scarred like a cut on the skin that's scarred absolutely and that's you know when uh, a patient asks about cirrhosis we normally describe it as bad scarring in the liver the liver may continue to do its job but it certainly doesn't have good reserve if it is badly scarred in regards to treatment for autoimmune hepatitis steroids or prednisone is certainly a, a, a mainstay of treatment Oftentimes, it works as both a therapeutic and a diagnostic therapy. In other words, diagnostic. If you get better when you've been given prednisone, for example, you would wonder then whether the person had an autoimmune hepatitis. So actually, sometimes a patient may have negative serologies, as we talked about. Negative blood tests. The blood tests don't tell exactly. you what is going on. And the biopsy is consistent with but not classic for autoimmune liver disease. So 
if the patient is given a trial of steroids and they improve very rapidly, this is a good indication that this is autoimmune hepatitis. Certainly, steroids have been the mainstay, but long-term steroid therapy uh, has its disadvantages. It certainly has a number of side effects over time, and we usually try to use a steroid-sparing agent to complement or be able to lower the dose of the steroids or the prednisone. Um, We usually use azathioprine. That is the medication that probably has the most, uh, we all have the most experience with. And if the patient is intolerant of azathioprine or 6-mercapidopurine, which is the another form of azathioprine, we can use a, a drug that works similarly called mycophenolate mofetil. So there are plenty of options. Absolutely. We have a number of different drugs that allow us to, to lower the dose of prednisone over time. And so, I think, you know, this is both a, a response-driven therapy as well as a patient-individualized therapy. So by response-driven, you're looking to see whether or not those blood tests that tell you whether the liver is ab- is being damaged or improving, going back to normal. Yes. We look for normalization of the liver enzymes, specifically the AST and the ALT. And if the immunoglobulins have been elevated, we look for normalization of the immunoglobulin. If you start a patient on one of these uh, immunosuppressive medicines, is that a uh, lifelong therapy, or can you stop the drug at some point in time? So... That is certainly a frequently asked question because these are immune-modulating therapies. Ideally, once you start a patient on therapy for autoimmune hepatitis, they should stay on a minimum of three years. And that is three years of a stable dose of medication with normal liver enzymes. If the patient has uh, no evidence of cirrhosis, and has done very well after three years of therapy, oftentimes we will try to decrease the immunosuppression. Unfortunately, only about 20 to 25% of patients can be successfully withdrawn from therapy. So this really is felt to be more of a chronic liver disease. Even in patients that we are able to withdraw therapy, um, these patients do need to continue to be monitored closely, meaning getting liver labs drawn every three to six months. So let's go back to this biopsy. There, I'm a patient and I've just gotten a liver biopsy, and you're telling me that the biopsy may not actually tell me what's wrong with me? So actually, the biopsy will oftentimes eliminate other possibilities. They'll eliminate. It certainly would not look like viral hepatitis. It's unlikely to look like steatohepatitis or inflammation from fat in the liver. I think uh, it's difficult sometimes to tell the difference between a drug effect 
and an autoimmune liver disease, but there are certain classic features that we look for on a liver biopsy that tells us that this is much more likely to be an autoimmune hepatitis. And actually, this is where having a good liver pathologist review the biopsy slides is really important. And that's one of the first things we do when we have a new autoimmune patient, even if they've already been biopsied, is look at their slides. Let's take the special circumstance of a young woman who has autoimmune hepatitis and hopefully under reasonable control. Is it possible for them to become pregnant, and is it safe for them to do so? It is safe for a patient with autoimmune hepatitis to become pregnant. It's one of the most common questions I get because this is a disease that's often seen in in, uh, young females of childbearing age. We really like for the patient to be on a stable dose of medication and for them not to have had a flare within the past year. We like to keep patients on their medications during pregnancy. Specifically, azathioprine is is quite safe during pregnancy, as well as a a low dose of prednisone um, if needed. We don't recommend, obviously, that patients be on mycophenolate mofetil, but we do keep our patients on azathioprine. If a patient already has cirrhosis, we're usually very protective or careful with these patients. Oftentimes, I'll send a patient like this for preconception counseling if they are interested in in becoming pregnant. In reality, patients who are on mycophenolate mofetil, or the trade name is uh, Celsef, shouldn't be uh, getting pregnant to start with because of the real risk of fetal uh, abnormalities with uh, uh, that drug. What kinds of changes in lifestyle do patients with autoimmune hepatitis need to to do, or do they need to try to maintain their normal lifestyle as best as possible? I think certainly they should try to maintain their normal lifestyle as best as possible. Most patients do feel better once their uh, autoimmune liver disease is under good control. In general, if you decrease inflammation, you usually feel better. We do remind patients that it's very important for them to have blood monitoring. Uh, So they need to go get blood work about every three months, even if they're on a stable dose of medication. If they already have early cirrhosis, they're going to need an ultrasound every six months to look for uh, liver cancer, which is a risk if you have more advanced scarring in the liver. But in general, we want patients to try to maintain a healthy lifestyle and do the things they enjoy doing, including, you know, working and playing sports. What do you tell patients about the fatigue? Because that more than likely is the last thing to go away. In regards to fatigue, um, I think... (laughs) I think I don't necessarily have a great answer for that one. Uh, certainly, you know, our patients that are under a lot of stress and are not sleeping, we try to do different things that, uh, you know, help with getting uh, a good night's rest. And also, um, especially if, if they're stressed about their condition, um, encouraging some form of physical activity oftentimes uh, improves that. But sometimes the fatigue is just hard to deal with. Absolutely. 
one of the main causes of hepatitis, as you've described, are due to viruses, hepatitis C, hepatitis B. You describe them as blood-blood contact and transmission. There are other ways you can get hepatitis C and hepatitis B. What about autoimmune hepatitis? Do I, am I worried about giving that to a loved one or a friend? No, and that's actually a common question we get. You know, certainly you can't uh, pass it on to your coworkers or your family members. Uh, this is not a, a blood-blood transmission hepatitis. This is your own personal hepatitis, so to speak, in which your body's immune system is recognizing something in the liver is foreign. If you have autoimmune hepatitis, is it okay to drink alcohol? That's a great question, and one we often get. If you already have cirrhosis of the liver or advanced scarring in the liver, we want to be as protective of the liver as possible, and we recommend that you not drink alcohol. Anyone with chronic liver disease, if they don't have significant scarring, modest or light alcohol consumption is not uh, contraindicated, and that would be at most one drink a day in a woman or two drinks a day in a man. The only way then that a person knows whether they have cirrhosis or they know they have scarring of the liver is with a liver biopsy. Are there non-invasive ways of figuring this out? A liver biopsy, which is necessary for the diagnosis of autoimmune hepatitis, gives us some good prognostic information. We can judge how aggressive the hepatitis is and how much scarring there is in the liver. So that's one way of showing us uh, liver fibrosis. As far as non-invasive ways of tracking liver scarring, interestingly, autoimmune hepatitis, we can follow patients with non-invasive measures. Certainly, you can, you can look at lab work. Um, you can also use something called transient elastography. It measures liver stiffness, so how soft or how hard the liver is. It takes about five minutes to do, and uh, it's, you know, painless. It's non-invasive. Interestingly, autoimmune hepatitis, this has not been used as frequently as it has been with other forms of liver disease, such as hepatitis B or hepatitis C. Where should patients turn for a trustworthy source for information about autoimmune hepatitis? A good resource would be the American Liver Foundation. It has a number of different uh, patient support sites and uh, links, as well as patient information. Uh, thank you, Dr. Darling, for joining me today on this uh, podcast. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you enjoy this series, you can subscribe to The Chairs Corner on iTunes or like us on Facebook. Stay tuned for our next episode.